Hello and welcome to episode one of How Many Producers, a podcast exploring and celebrating our wonderful and sometimes frustrating world of production and the magicians who make it happen, whether you're a producer, PM, PA, AD, AC, or all the acronyms in between. This is production in quarantine. This has come obviously to everybody as a bolt out of the blue. There's so little scope for being able to shoot any kind of new footage. The industry is going to change for sure. I've been working from home since the lockdown. It's all blending into one. Where did Zoom come from anyway? Have everyone log into a video call at 9am. It's close as we're going to get right now to turning up to the office. Guys, I'm not sure beige background is the peak of professionalism, so if we could oh. just change back before the client jumps on. I sort of work at the cross-section between where kind of sport meets production. It's kind of impossible to do that right now because there's no sport. Two days being told you're going on fill and two days to hand stuff over. I haven't worked since day one off lockdown. This is my fifth week unemployed now. I'm really excited about new ideas, new ventures. If I go back into production, so be it. Some days I wake up at 7am, other days I'm up at 11am, so try and work that one out. Homeschooling is a nightmare. There are kind of new briefs we are working on. All have come directly off the bat of the virus. We have been asking our talent to create user-generated content. Feels like it's just non-stop video calls. Pray for good internet. Lots of people looking at each other, saying, no, you can no, 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 you carry on. You sure it's not on mute? He's having the same issues as I was the other day. It's made me think very, very differently about every aspect of life. I'm already thinking about my next side hustle. Literally pivoted straight away into something different. I'm setting up a little e-commerce business. Quite nice to just take it as a little bit of a holiday. Do whatever it is that you've always wanted to do if you had the time. We've just heard the voices of producers, talent and crew from around the UK on the unbelievable shift that has happened in just seven weeks as COVID-19 has upended our industry and ground production to a near halt. Lockdown has so many of us out of work or on furlough and emotions are really high. Today, we're hoping we can help you get through with three stories on how this pandemic has made us think, work and act differently because it is hugely difficult to do our job without being near one another. However, there are still people out there trying to deliver good work in the self-isolated, socially distanced world. We caught up with Jenny Gibson-Smith, manager of a full-service post-production studio at a large agency in London, on what work life has been like for her since the lockdown. There we go. Yay. How's it going? I'm all right. Good. I am. What have you been up to? Making masks, I see. Making a lot of masks. How have you been? I've been all right. I've been okay, thanks. Yeah, it's been... It's been... um, I don't know it's been weird it's been I think like everyone like I've got days where I'm fine you do, I just kind of crack on with it and I'm just kind of okay yeah and then I've got days where I'm like okay this is really horrendous and <laughs> mentally really tough um but I think overall I think I just I'm lucky you know I feel lucky because I'm you know I'm still working if you could illustrate to us the series of events that sort of happened in the run-up to you kind of really taking COVID and the, its impacts quite seriously to the things that kind of led up to the point where a significant change had to happen. I remember it really vividly. I remember having conversations when um, there were sort of trickles of people starting to get sick in the UK and there was talk of some people self-isolating, there was talk of some other companies 
closing, but it seemed like a really distant reality. And, and then um, within days, it transpired that actually this was very serious and you know it was about to affect us in a very big way we were set to be insanely busy in april and you know we were sort of looking at possibly having to bring in lots of freelance staff and and making sure that we were well covered for that but within days within a week things just started to go jobs were being cancelled jobs were being postponed Jobs were going away. Jobs were being pushed back to the autumn. And um, that's when it started to get a bit scary. It reminded me of, of 2008 when all of a sudden things were just stopping, grinding to a halt. So it's uh, Monday, 20th of April, week five, um, working from home in lockdown. Um the thing that I noticed this morning is I seem to be getting up later and later and putting less and less um, effort into what I'm wearing. <laughs> oh, I, I've literally worn gym clothes for four weeks straight, which is great. It's the only thing that I really love about working from home. When you're not in the same spaces as your colleagues, it's just every everything seems to take so much longer to to sort out so usually if i needed to have conversations with three people i would just go and speak to them and it would be kind of in three minutes it would all be decided and sorted and um like that but i think everything just takes it's just not as easy it's like oh well we need to talk to this person this oh let's get a conference call oh they're not done oh their internet's down or oh they're on i don't know what they're doing you know it's just this whole sort of not being in the same space as people you you forget you take for granted those little side chats that you used to have with your your colleagues how how much that sort of helped to sort of move your day along and also working in post you know we're, we're used to having that instant information sort of fast broadband instant access to the server 4k files no problem and now it's like everything's done and it's all reliant on our domestic broadband, you know, that, that we have at home. So everything just takes so much longer. My day is 95% on with this headset. <laughs> I've never been on my phone so much in my life. It's mental. Um, I've got 10 meetings booked in. So literally I've got, I had one at 9.30 this morning and they're pretty much back to back until five o'clock. Um, I have some standing meetings every day to catch up with the team. Um, because I'm such a big team and we want to make sure that everyone's feeling connected. Yeah, the toughest thing for me has been, see, they've just started furloughing people and that's been really tough. And having to tell people who are on your team and who you're actually really fond of and are friends with and, you know, that, that's been really hard for me. Although, you know, it's really, it's much better than the alternative. I'd rather give that, inf- you know, sort of news than, than something much worse. It's Wednesday. Um, I didn't record anything yesterday. Yesterday was a, quite an emotional day for reasons I can't really discuss publicly, but you can imagine that things are shifting and changing all the time. So yesterday was um, was hard and there's work to be done as well. So you've, you've kind of, you've got to put things aside and com- compartmentalize mentalize things a bit I'm finding I'm doing a lot of that at the moment it's been interesting just sort of seeing that all sort of the tone of of everything changing like the first week first two weeks there was like memes and a music channel and a in a you know sh- people sharing exercise tips 
and that's kind of all stopped now, you know, um, despite everyone's best efforts, because it's just, you know, I think at first it was a novelty, but, you know, I think we, it sort of sunk in that we're in it for, for, for a bit longer and this is really affecting people. My biggest fear or con and concern is, is the, the safety of, of my job and being able to provide for my family, really. That's, that's my biggest concern. I'm actually getting the virus is almost secondary to that for me. So I've only just finished for the day. Actually, I probably have another half an hour's worth of work left. It's six o'clock. Um, so it was, yeah, another day of back to back to back to back to back to back meetings. Um, we had some issues today with um, accessing our server remotely. It was a long day. It was a tiring day, but um, I left feeling pretty good about it. Spirits are high today. Like Jenny, for many of us working in production, the financial worry actually outweighs the health worry at the moment. All of us are doing our part in staying home, but with so much uncertainty about how long this upheaval is going to go on for, we're really searching for answers on how to stay afloat. In March, the government launched two huge financial support packages aimed at stemming the economic havoc wrought by the pandemic which for our industry has meant projects being cancelled, production companies and agencies operating on a fraction of their usual work, and shoots becoming a thing of the past. And the schemes are creating as many questions as they answer. And many people are feeling left behind, especially in a volatile industry dependent on so many freelancers who are now mostly unemployed. My name is Mamina Ali. I work in mainly corporate production and branding content. I... I'm a production manager slash producer. Before COVID-19 hit the UK, Momina had already had the slow December and January period off work, assuming she would just line up jobs in February when things pick back up again. Then she realised it wouldn't be so easy. Struggled. Completely struggled to find work. And then I had a couple of jobs lined up. And this was at the start of the virus. Um, they cancelled on me like the day before the jobs were meant to be starting. It was a case of me getting a message the day before and saying, look, we're not sure if the project is now going ahead. There are talks about um, the coronavirus and the client is apprehensive with like continuing with the project. As time went on, Momina became anxious, realising the impact was going to last for more than just a couple of months. After four months without income and no end in sight, she had to make some drastic changes. So yeah, I've had to move back to my parents' house now. At 35 years old, it's not just the fact that I'm in the room where I grew up, it's the fact that in a moment, in an instant, everything can just go just like that. And for someone, especially someone who's self-employed, this is a really long period of time without any income and therefore having a real knock-on effect on the rest of your life. So in terms of like financial support, I, I've been told that we're entitled to universal credit, which I'm still waiting on where, uh, where, what I'll get awarded, if I get awarded anything, you know? And then you've got this government thing where they've spoken about, um, you know, what self-employed people are actually entitled to, which is in itself very confusing. But I still would like to know like the exact list of help there is out there. Lots of people are feeling like Momina does right now, worried and more uncertain about the future and desperate for support in this completely unprecedented situation. 
David Thomas is a journalist and a business consultant to media freelancers who has been working with the talent manager and other companies to decode these government schemes and support out there for production personnel and freelancers. Okay, so the, the first scheme that the government set up was called uh, a Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme. And they were aiming that at people who are on a payroll. So they, what they meant by that was people who are employed. Yeah. The way the scheme's supposed to work is that people are put on the payroll and they're kept on the payroll. They're kept on a payroll for uh, up to three months, but they're not working. So they're, they're, that's where this term furloughed comes in. And they're paid a, um, a reduced salary, 80% of the salary that they would normally get. Um, and that will be up to a maximum of... 2,500 per month for three months. So people then would be in a position where they, they are paid, but they, they're not allowed to do any work for the, for the business that's furloughed them. Well, the thing is, it's not compulsory. So I've heard of people who've been told that, you know, one person said that their employer wasn't interested in talking to them about them uh, being on this scheme. The companies are not required to do anything. So they're not, they're not required to furlough, but they're not required to pay 100% of your uh, wage. The job retention scheme is running initially for three months until June, with a review determining its future happening in a few weeks. Unlike previously thought, PAYE freelancers whose engagements ended before the 19th of March will not be able to have their contracts extended in order to be furloughed. The other thing is that, that some people are seeing this as an employee's support scheme, but actually it's an employer support scheme. So the government has decided to use employers as a, as, a, as a tube to get all this money to go to people so that they don't uh, run out of money during this, this lockdown. The system for employers who apply for the scheme launched in late April, with payments expected by early May. In the meantime, they've been paying people's wages. And, and for, for some small businesses, they have said they can't afford to do that. And so they've already laid people off because there's too much of a gap between people needing to be paid but not working and then the government reimbursing the company. You can see the reticence of small businesses to want to furlough people where they've got this uncertainty. While the scheme itself doesn't stop you from taking other work on, you should double check your contract with your employer before doing so. Now, the second scheme rolled out is the Self-Employed Income Support Scheme, or SEISS developed after some campaigning to ensure the self-employed are as looked after as employees. I think the self-employment income support scheme is really interesting. Um, it's, uh, it has its holes, it has its limitations, um, but what's interesting about it is it's the only scheme the government's come up with where there's no intermediary between the government money and the person receiving it. If you're registered as a sole trader and you were registered already in the year 2018 to 19, and you submitted a tax return for 2018-19, then the government has information about you as an individual, uh, and it looks at your sole trader profits, so it's not your income, it's actually your profits, and it looks at that figure, and it averages that, that out to come up with a monthly figure, and it's 80% of that monthly figure uh, that you get as a grant for three months. So that's a direct amount of money put in your bank account if you are an eligible sole trader, um, and that will be up to a maximum of 2,500 per month for three months. Um, so there are some restrictions. So if you get um, most of your income from another source, so if you got most of your income from, I don't know, uh, a job, PAYE, um, or you got most of your income from, say, property or something like that, um, you, you wouldn't be eligible for this scheme because being people who are sole traders who get most of their income from being a sole trader. 
So that's the first thing. Also, there's a really weird cutoff on it, which says that if you had average profits of 50,000 for a year, then you won't be eligible. Um, and that's a very big cliff edge. It's a very sort of steep cliff edge for people. Um, so if you had profits of £49,999, you're in, you get your grant. If you have £1 more than that, you're out, you don't get your grant. So that seems really harsh. So th this, this is all fine and dandy that this scheme is there for people who are eligible for it, uh, but the money won't arrive until probably June. Now that's a real toughie. What David also says is that these schemes do not stop you from looking into other benefits like universal credit or even taking on other work. It's important to know that if you've only submitted taxes for 2018-19, say it's your first year, you are still eligible for support and will be assessed on that one year's profits before tax. But if you've been trading for years prior, they will average your profits over a maximum of three years. Now these schemes are not perfect and almost 90% of the freelancers in our industry have no support at all. And I, I've talked to people who are in each of the different type, um, both PAYE and self-employed sole trader, but also people running limited companies. I've talked to, to people in each of those three groups who say, you know, the schemes just don't support them. Uh, they, they, have no, they have no way of engaging with those schemes because they, perhaps they haven't been um, running for long enough or perhaps they just weren't on a payroll in February. Uh, the, the group which I think is, it, I feel the government has almost deliberately ignored um, is the group which runs small limited companies. There's a feeling within the treasury that people who run small limited companies are cheating the system. And you see it, you see it in the comments that some people make. You know, oh, if you're taking dividends, you must be really rich. Well, that, that's just based on complete and utter ignorance. Mm -hmm. you know? You're not really rich and the dividends are taxed anyway. So, so the reason that people set up companies is sometimes that's the only way a client will give you work. So they're being told, if you're an employee of your own company, why don't you get your own company to put you off work and you don't work at all for three months? Um, and then you can approach the furloughing scheme. You can use the furloughing scheme. Well, the furloughing scheme is 80% of your regular salary. And if you have a very low salary, but the rest of your income is from dividends, you're only going to get the 80% of the salary bit. You're not going to get anything reflecting your dividend income at all. Um, and I think that's very narrow-minded. I have to say, it is quite difficult to see how a scheme could be set up really quickly to look at how many dividends people get and how that works and what the percentage of that would be and how you work it out. I can understand how difficult that would be, but it does seem to me um, to be a glaring omission. So for those of us with no support until June, or worse yet, not getting any support at all, what options are out there? So, so universal credit is definitely a possibility. And I've been saying to people, just get in the system. It's not cheating. If you think you're going to be eligible, you can still apply for universal credit. So if you do get money from elsewhere, it just means your universal credit goes down. And don't be too proud. You've been paying your taxes, but some people I've spoken to have said they're not eligible. So, so universal credit has its own eligibility criteria. And simply having no income is not actually on the list. And, and the complete nutter cutoff is the uh, 16,000 pounds of savings or capital, which basically means money you can get your hands on. And if you have more than 16,000, you won't, you won't get any universal credit at all. Uh, the other thing though, is don't despair altogether. Um, the other source of help might come from a, a whole slew of charity funds. 
and it will depend where you work and what you do but if you work for example in film or tv there are a couple of emergency funds which have been set up by the film and tv charity uh, now nearly all these funds would want you to have gone through the universal credit channels first and, and if you are at that stage you should also have looked at things like contacting your landlord and saying you can't afford to pay the rent contacting uh, people who you owe money to saying you can't afford to pay it back at the moment so although that feels terrible to have to do that if that's what it takes please make use of these offers um, and it might just see you long enough through the process of you know getting through this pandemic certainly the initial lockdowns period to a point at which you can start earning again since speaking to david the chancellor has announced the bounce back loan scheme aimed at giving small businesses access within days to up to £50,000 in 100% government-guaranteed loans. Also, interest-free for a year. It's worth exploring this if you're LTD, rather than the business interruption loan, which has had many criticisms and hurdles. Also, in the short term, forthcoming VAT and tax payments are deferred until next year. For more information and helpful links, please visit David's website at davidthomasmedia.com. The news of financial support to see us through COVID-19 is changing on an almost daily basis. Organizations like the Talent Manager, Beck2, and the APA continue to advocate in Parliament for the forgotten freelancers to ensure that they are taken care of during this crisis. We, we, live, we live on and we're alive with our families. Most of us, we really need to appreciate that because some people are going really going through it at the moment and thank our lucky stars that it's not us so chins up lockdown has for sure made life tougher and at times scarier but it has also given birth to new ways of collaborating and creating amazing work from our living rooms dining tables and bedrooms our colleague zoe jones speaks to an actor that won't let a little social distancing get in the way of putting on a show hello uh, my name is brian lonsdale and i'm an actor I'm also one of three people who runs the Coronavirus Theatre Club. So the uh, week has started um, just a cup of coffee and a bit of homeschooling. When this all went down, I've been out of work for a few months. In fact, probably the driest spell as an actor that, I, that I've had in my career. And it was hard. They always are. Waking up every day, checking your phone, desperate for an audition, wondering if you did get an audition, how you'd pay for the train. <laughs> and then this happened, this horrible thing happened. Ministers are asking us to adjust to what they're calling a new normal for some time yet. And all of a sudden we weren't allowed out. We weren't allowed to the theatre. We couldn't go to work. We couldn't do anything. And weirdly, that not waking up, feeling like a loser because you... <laughs> You haven't got a job uh, was taken away from us because nobody was going to work, nobody had a job. And it was a strange relief, weirdly. 5 of 5 is 10, 15, 5, 10. Figure it out. What's, what's the first one? Mm. Mr. Anderson. Nine. Sensing a growing frustration in the industry, Brian took to the internet. I think I put a tweet out, actually, that's how it started. I, I tweeted something like, it looks like streaming monologues from your bedroom is going to be this year's war horse, which started a conversation. Within a couple of hours, we had a thousand followers. 
It was immediately obvious that they had tapped into something that the theatre community was crying out for, and they needed to work out how they were going to make good use of this new platform. They decided to start reaching out to writers, actors, directors, and then they paired them up. The actors performed the monologues live on Twitter every Sunday at 7pm. I'm not used to being ignored, and for the most part, I'm not. Fizzy drinks and bubbles. My mind is generous, my shape is true. But using this medium, we found, oh, wow, um, we're finding that some things you can't get away with. Like, one of our uh, monologues was quite long. We used a brilliant actor, we had, and it was a re really good writing. I was so excited to see it. Actually, sort of 25 minutes is a long time to, to ask someone to watch a monologue. Um, so we learned that very quickly. It really works when an actor looks down the lens. You would never ask an actor to do that on TV. You'd very rarely ask an actor to look straight into the eyes of the audience. It's given me a, a superb amount of focus and creativity, having this time and this energy for this new project. In fact, it's, it's led me to, to start writing and I started writing. Like many others, the free time has inspired Brian to try his hand at a new skill. In this case, he's writing his own contribution for the Coronavirus Theatre Club project. As the weeks have progressed, the team have been asking themselves a question. How can we take it further? What can we do? And so the next logical step seemed to me was to have a play which had more than one actor in it, delivering more than one monologue. And I wrote, I've, I've written this, and I've never really written anything before in my life, little bits and bobs to amuse myself and, and my mum. <laughs> I've taken the step of... Of, uh, of showing it to a director, which is a real, you know, when you when you've done nothing but acting and you you're secure about that, you know you can do that well. Giving someone a, a, something you've written uh, is a big step, and I I, I, I was going to do it two weeks ago and I bottled it. And a couple of people said, look, come on, you really must, because it's, it's all right, this, it's quite funny. And that's what it's supposed to be, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to rewrite Hamlet. And uh, I, I, I sent it to one of the directors that we used in week one or two, and she loved it, and I couldn't believe it. So we're doing this thing that I've written, and I'm going to be in it. All right. <laughs> Where's me sandwich? <laughs> so I turned to the room, and I asked the whole room, because I am not an accusational man, I turn to the room and I say, excuse me. Week after week, the popularity of the Coronavirus Theatre Club is only growing, and the team behind it are consistently surprised by the sheer number of people looking to get involved. Any Snickers? This is the thing, you know, people just want to work. People just want to collaborate. You know, we can't leave the house. We can't get together and get in a rehearsal room. But, you know, it's 2020, and that doesn't stop us anymore, does it? We, we've got... Zoom, FaceTime, we've got we, these <laughs> brilliant things that allow us to come together. And I'm seeing this now, it's, it's, become, it's become my life. Fingers crossed and we'd love to be able to start paying people for doing this. But for now, it's just for the love. People want to collaborate. Friday morning, um, yeah, uh, all, all things are still steaming ahead. We've just announced on Twitter that Sting has uh, agreed to um, perform some music for us. Bye. The idea, I guess, was to provide a platform for up-and-coming writers, up-and-coming actors, directors who wanted to collaborate. But the calibre of actor and director and writer that, that have actually come into contact with us and said, can you use my work or can I be involved? Some people that I, re that I, that I know of, that I respect, and to be able to put them together and, and to give them something to do and have them to be part of it, that's exciting as well. You're not, whether it's... 20 people watching or 200 people watching, it doesn't matter because for those actors and writers and directors, they've worked on this project and they are putting it in front of a live audience, which is something that has been 
by and large, it's been taken away from us as performers, as creators. You're, you're still going through the nerves, the preparation, the line learning. You're putting yourself through that and then you get out there and you do it and it's so exciting and things could go wrong. I might forget my lines. The kids could walk in. Anything could happen. It is live. It's that experience that I'm really, really glad that we're able to provide. It's blown us away, really, the response to it. Thanks so much to everyone who lent their voice to our first episode. Our podcast team is Arij Al-Sultan, Rachel Jones, Michaela Blitz, Dana Traumater, Zoe Jones, and me, Zakia Petty. And special thanks to Jordan Bizantz for his artwork design and Andrew Jones for his sound and music support on this episode. Please do follow us on Instagram and Twitter at How Many Producers, and do share if you like the show. Thanks so much for listening.